Outdoor Service, where service is their specialty. Proud sponsor of This Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. 706 on this Wednesday morning. Thanks for joining us. It's Jalen Nye, Daryl McIntyre, Morley 2, 705. And um, there was a new uh, poll that was done by Ipsos recently that suggested that more than half of Canadians, about 56%, see the Canadian Armed Forces as old and antiquated. And and apparently those findings are pretty much in line with polling that the Defence Department did um, in in uh, December of 22 and January of 23. Uh, a lot of folks there, one in five, uh, saying saying pretty much the same thing, that yeah. it was considered to be outdated. Is it, despite the fact there's $8 billion in new military spending over the next few years, let's get into that and mm-hmm. what the CAF should be doing moving forward with Dr. Christian Luprecht, of course, professor at the Royal Military College and Queen's University and a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute. Christian, welcome back to the show. Good morning, Jalen. Uh, yeah, and we're, you know we have a couple of areas we can go in today because there is the perception, but as Jalen mentioned, talking about what the role of the Canadian Armed Forces is moving down the road, there was also some talk about that with uh, the top uh, soldier, General Wayne Ayer, saying, you know, too often our troops are being called out to do things like uh, uh, battling forest fires, etc., or sort of domestic issues. So it's really about trying to figure out what the identity is. These, both the poll and those comments, they seem to be pretty much uh, intermixed. Would you agree? Yeah, Daryl, I think this is reflects the very different perspectives on this organization. And I think that's part of the challenge in this country that we've never resolved. What is the purpose of the Canadian Armed Forces? And so what you see in the comments of um, uh, General Wayne Eyre, even though those have shifted also over the years, is initially a general who really saw the Canadian Armed Forces as much of the uniformed members of the military do, primarily um, as an organization that is there to protect national security, manage national security, security um, and a kinetic fighting organization. Uh, I think those views have shifted if you listen to more recent comments by General Ayer in terms of a much broader perspective on uh, as an instrument of national security. But you can see here that Canadians really don't think of it as a fighting organization. They think of it, I think, as more as an organization that is there to sort of do good in the world and do good in Canada when people are in trouble. And politicians look at it as an instrument, essentially as a political instrument. Primarily, I think, traditionally as an instrument of foreign policy, and as you can see from the new minister's comments and some of the comments by other members of cabinet, increasingly as a political instrument domestically, um, essentially to uh, sort of advance uh, security perspectives, if you want, through domestic operations when Canadians get themselves in trouble. But of course, the reason we're calling them out increasingly domestically is because of shortcomings by different levels of government to begin with when it comes to underinvestment in critical infrastructure, when it comes to uh, colossal planning failures in terms of pandemics, when it comes to an unwillingness to make the necessary investments to mitigate uh, the impact of climate change and so forth. And so uh, I think there's considerable concern among both the members in uniform in an organization that is significantly short-staffed, that is significantly underfunded, that does not have the equipment really to do all the things that it's being asked to do. 
uh, that somehow its role keeps on expanding because it's sort of a convenient uh, instrument for politicians to draw on. Uh, I think, Christian, when when people think old and antiquated and the Canadian Armed Forces, uh, a big part of that is is something that you touched on is is the equipment that uh, that our that our members are using. Now we do know that Ottawa has committed about eight billion dollars in military spending over the next five years. That that came in the uh, in the last budget, but the reality check of that is that's <laughs> I, 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 I would suspect that that's getting us to 2035, you know, maybe preparing uh, for Canadian Armed Forces of 2030, 2035, but not 2050, not 2060, where we need to be looking at and what we need to be planning for. Yeah, I would say that investment doesn't even get us to the Canadian Armed Forces that we actually need in 2023. That investment sort of reflects um, under-attention by politicians over the last 25 years and sort of benign neglect, where we really had the privilege of two and a half decades uh, where politicians were able to choose the mission sets that they sent their Canadian Armed Forces on uh, and the uh, deployments that they essentially the assets that they provided on those missions. And increasingly, the government is realizing that whether it's international uh, obligations to um, our allies and partners multilaterally, whether it's UN obligations, it's continental defense obligations, or um, it's supporting Canadians during uh, unforeseen um, uh, sort of threats that are being posed, um, increasing transnational threats, whether it's organized crime, climate change, uh, biosecurity, security hazards such as pandemics, uh, that uh, the organization is indispensable to government, and yet uh, uh, we have significant lags and catch-up to do just to get it to where it actually needs to be in order to serve the interests of Canadians. You know what, if you're you're underspending and you have uh, you're over expecting, I guess is one way to do it. Uh, it seems like there's no doubt that the reputation of, of, uh, of an organization is going to suffer. And is that where some of the uh, the, the polling is looking at? That it, it's it's the reputation of it has dropped because of the lack of investment and the over expectations. Or is it because really as Canadians, uh, the military is not as much a part of our overall lives as maybe it was back in the day or the years subsequent to... Uh, uh, the Second World War or Korea, etc. We have, apart from Afghanistan, there's been very little in the way of actual warfare uh, for Canada to be involved with. So, does that just change our perspective and our and our and our opinion of what it's for? Those are very perceptive comments. Look, I mean, even though generals say they want a fighting organization and that should be the primary purpose of the Canadian Armed Forces, really, if you look in the last sort of 75 years, there have been only two real kinetic type of deployments of this kind. As you point out, Afghanistan is one, uh, Korea is the other. So really, by and large, what the organization is used for is a host of, uh, is a host of other purposes. But you can also see here reflected, um, not just by this government, but by other governments, uh, the fact that defense is never a policy priority. Now, if you poll Canadians, uh, defense doesn't even rank in the top 15 priorities that Canadians have for their uh, f- for their governments. At the same time, when you ask them specifically about investments in defense, Canadians are actually very favorable towards defense, towards NATO, towards investment, and that favor has increased significantly, especially in the last two years, because I think Canadians are catching on that both domestically and internationally we need an armed forces that is capable. The problem is of course that 
that the government is sending sort of these mixed messages. It makes these announcements about we're going to buy a little bit of this, we're going to buy a little bit of that. Uh, but then in practice, uh, when it comes to actually making good to our commitments to NATO allies or so, uh, they are realizing that much of these are sort of performative announcements. And so I think what we see reflected in the predisposition of Canadians towards the Canadian Armed Forces um, is the signals that they're getting from a government that this is simply not a priority, not a top 10 priority, not a top 15 priority, not a spending priority. And I would say uh, from the lack of actual commitment, it's definitely not a cabinet priority. Um, Christian Luprecht joining us this morning. As mentioned uh, off the top of the interview, um, the Chief of Defence Staff, uh, General Wayne Eyre, saying, you know what, troops are being called on too often to help with uh, natural disasters here at home. There should be, you know, other options. The new Defence Minister, Bill Blair, saying, hey, sometimes the armed forces are the best and only option and will remain a key part of that federal response. Should they be Christian? And uh, if not, what is... I've got a number of questions on this one. What is the impact when when this continues to happen on the calf itself i mean because it takes it off from takes people away from operational training um i think that that's an issue but number two if 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 we're not going to use our members in these roles then who should be stepping up in these roles yeah, so there's two perspectives on this. So operationally, think of the CAF as sort of thinking in six-month packages, right? So you have people who are deployed for six months, you have people who are decompressing for six months, and then they're training for six months, usually sort of for a, a new kind of deployment and missions. And usually when we have domestic deployments, it means that people are being drawn out of their decompression time, they're being drawn out from their desk jobs, they're being drawn out from training. Uh, but many of these missions have traditionally been relatively short and limited in resources and often the resources uh, sort of are surging labor capacities that sort of reserve units in the country can provide. The challenge here is we've seen um, more uh, missions qualitatively, uh, so quantitatively, that require more people qualitatively that are becoming much more complex. Who would have thought anywhere in Canada, let alone the Canadian Armed Forces, the Canadian Armed Forces would be called upon to help with vaccine distribution, for instance, um, and they're becoming much more frequent. So the disruption to the regular operations of the Canadian Armed Forces are becoming greater. Um, and yet in Canada, out of the eight mission sets that Canadian Armed Forces have under Strong, Secure, Engage, the Canada's defense policy, um, this is one of the two mission sets that is not resourced. So there are no dedicated resources for domestic operations. So anytime we have a domestic operation, those resources are coming from somewhere else uh, in the organization. And, and this is basically so a zero-sum game. And I would say that I'm very concerned about the comments by the defense minister because the Canadian Armed Forces, in a democracy, the military should always be a tool of absolute last resort. And when we're seeing politicians saying, well, you know, this is a convenient pool uh, instrument for us to draw on, and that's just the way it is, I think that on the one hand reflects significant policy failures when it comes to, for instance, infrastructure policy by the federal government, and on the other hand, and I would say not just a misunderstanding of the armed forces as a uh, as the instrument that they serve in terms of safety and security for Canadians, but also considerable concern that this is an organization that by and large in democracies um, should be uh, reployed for domestic purposes uh, with extreme caution. Uh, Christian, we have a couple more questions for you, but we have to take a quick break. Can you hang on the line for a second? My pleasure. Okay, back in a moment with Dr. Christian Luprecht talking about our Canadian military, its future, its role, and its funding right after this. Mm-hmm.
Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre is brought to you by Abe's Door Service, where service is their specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. Hey, coming up on 7.20 on this morning, we've been chatting with Dr. Christian Luprecht, who's a professor at Royal Military College and Queen's University, senior fellow, McDonald laurier Institute, uh, talking about the, the future of the Canadian Armed Forces, but also the present. Uh, and both are uh, at stake here because, as we've discussed, uh, Christian, they're spread really thin. And if you're trying to do international uh, action as well as take care of domestic issues, there's just not nearly enough to go around. How much would it cost? to make sure that there is enough to go mm-hmm. around because that's a big question about whether whether Canadians have a stomach for that kind of a budget input. Look, it's a terrific question and here's why because ultimately defense spending is a political decision, right? We live in a democracy and so the government of the day makes the decision on what to spend on and how much to spend. And when you're investing in defense, it's kind of like buying an insurance policy. So the government needs to make a judgment call, what premium are you prepared to pay? And uh, governments in Canada on both sides of the aisle have long not been willing to pay a particularly high premium. And as the polling by Canadians suggests, Canadians also seem to be on side with that. That's also a reflection that's by and large true uh, across many other democracies. Germany, for instance, is quite similar in that regard to, uh, to Canada. The problem is this is an organization you need to be there for you, both to assert your national interests um, and when things don't go as planned, whether it's at home, it's across the continent, or it's internationally. And it's, of course, this organization that has served for stability in Europe, for instance. It's this organization that makes sure it keeps Russian and Chinese Navy boats at bay in Alaska, as we had earlier this week. It's this organization that makes sure that we don't have intrusions in our airspace, and so that provides for the sort of stability and security globally um, that is the foundation for our prosperity and for our democracy. And so I think the challenge is that because we've had it so good in this country, we haven't realized that it's not by accident that we are this prosperous and this politically stable, but rather that is a strategic investment that we made after the horrors of World War II. And my concern with the underinvestment is that not only have we lost sight of the strategy that got us to make this um, perhaps the most desirable country and the most desirable continent that history has ever known, um, but that we're losing track of the uh, trajectories that the world is on, both in terms of global stability, the impacts of climate change, um, and uh, the investments that are required to make sure we can persist on that trajectory of security, prosperity, and democracy that has gotten us to where we are today. But Christian, what if if there was a price tag? If there was a price tag uh, to be attached to all of it to get us to, to where we needed to be, what does that look like? <laughs> well, so look, that's a that's ultimately a decision that a government of the day needs to answer relative to the eight hundred fifty billion that the United States spends on defense. Anything Canada will spend is always going to be a relative pittance. Um, in practice, of course. Uh, we need to make sure we have the capabilities to respond to the threats of the future. 
Um, and so um, what I think we need first and foremost is a strategy for what this, we want this organization to be, how we, in the words of uh, General Rainier, the Chief of Defense Staff, reconstitute this organization and rebuild it over the next 15 years. And that will require a bipartisan or arguably multipartisan defense policy, the way countries with very capable armed forces, such as Australia and such as France, have. And so probably that means a significant increase to the defense budget. It means a significant reprioritization of the organization. Um, but I think part of the message that we're getting from Minister Anand um, being moved out of defense is that defense is not a priority uh, for this government and we'll have to see whether for future governments. And I'm concerned that when Canadians ultimately call on this organization to be there for them um, domestically for the next disaster that we might be awaiting and we have an international, serious international crisis at the same time, we do not currently have Canadian armed forces that can respond to both, and Canadians will be left wanting, and they will wish they had made the investments in a much more timely and much more effective manner much earlier. Dr. Christian Luprecht, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate your insight. Thanks for chatting with us this morning. It's always a pleasure. Have a lovely morning. Yep, yeah, you too. Uh, Christian Luprecht is a professor at the Royal Military College in Queen's mm. University.